Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Believe in UCLA football podcast. We'll be here with a new episode for you right after this quick note. The last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all of your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for all your wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All of the hoops betting action along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use your promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Believe in UCLA football podcast. My name is James Williams, a reporter and editor for the Orange County Register and the Southern California News Group. And as always, I'm joined here by former UCLA linebacker Josh Woods. Josh, what's going on, man? You know, kind of a pretty sad and disappointing weekend of football for me. So hopefully this is a much better week. Well, <laughs> I'm sure there's quite a few people that hope this is a is a better week all around on the football field. Um just putting eyes on the uh, ASU game here for uh, a, a second. Just not a good showing. I mean, it, you know, I, we've kind of hear it every year. I've heard about the last couple of weeks is these Arizona teams. You got to watch out for them. If it's not one team, it's going to be the other team that sneaks up on you. They're always going to be in the mix. They're always going to find a way to to get one on you. Josh, they let both the Arizona teams get one up on them uh, this season. Not a good look. I think the disappointing thing is Arizona – almost in a similar fashion to USC um, has had some quarterback issues. They've had a, a rotation of guys based on injuries and different things. Um, it just hasn't been going well. Obviously they have first year coach, Kenny Dillingham. We talked about him uh, in the last episode, him moving over from Oregon's offensive coordinator over to ASU's head coach. Obviously that led to Dante Moore or helped or contributed to Dante Moore coming over to UCLA and decommitting from Oregon. But um, yeah, we, and we really didn't see a lot of Dante Moore. We didn't see a whole lot of Ethan Garbers. Um, my understanding was both of them warmed up, but actually did not play. Chip Kelly said after the game that they were more of a, in case of emergency only situation. Um, Ethan Garbers was kind of limping throughout the week. Um, so UCLA's quarterback situation has kind of been a mess. Um, and then you had Colin Schley who got banged up at the end of the game. Um, had to come out, and Mr. President Chase Griffin had to come in and uh, finish out the game for the Bruins. But just wasn't a good showing overall for UCLA. Um, you, you allowed guys like Cam Scadabo to, who's a running back, um, throw a touchdown, throw a 24-yard touchdown to Elijah Badger. Um, I believe that's his name, if I remember correctly. Um, in the end zone, got one on Jalen Davies. So, yeah. It was kind of rough. And then they did the swinging gate thing. Do Are you aware? Have you heard of the word or the term swinging gate before? With that's where the like special team swinging gate. Well, they were doing this on offense where they had like three linemen oh, out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like majority of the time you use that like on the goal line. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, wasn't that a big thing like an Oregon thing? Maybe. I mean, I feel like it may have been. I just I don't I can't say I've ever heard the word swinging gate before, so I don't know. I mean, like I remember some stuff in high school. They call it like the Mickey Mouse or something like that. <laughs> they had some different stuff back in the day, but um, I the, I mean they did a great job, and I heard Kenny Kenny Dillingham say, um, he talked on SiriusXM and said like, yeah, we just had to find some things to kind of limit the pass rush, uh, mm-hmm. uh, for for UCLA and. 
if you put two linemen over here, two linemen over there, I think they just had, you know, obviously the center in front of the quarterback. Um, you got guys like Latu just kind of standing there like, what? Um, I guess it just really wasn't something UCLA prepared for. Um, but yeah, I don't know. How do you, how do you, the thing is, I don't know how they, if they adjusted very well to it, because they kept going back to it, which is a sign of like, Hey, we're not going to do this once. We're not going to do this twice, but we're just going to keep running with it because that's the best thing to stop. Um, your guys is kind of pass rush. Have you, as a, as someone who's played defense, has there ever been situations like that where someone just totally brings something out that was not part of the game plan all week. And it takes you a quarter or two to just really kind of understand what the heck is happening. Yeah. I mean, if, you don't show that you're making adjustments or, you know, find a way to kind of stop it or they mm-hmm. see that, like, you know, guys are still confused when you do it. I wouldn't stop doing it either. Yeah. I feel like for the <laughs> swinging eight thing, we I've, we used to practice it once a, like, once a week as a defense just to make sure guys are aligned and had matchups. Like, I remember yeah. that was one thing that we we did every week, like, situationally. And, then like, nobody ever ran it against us, but we practiced mm-hmm. against it once a week. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, again, they don't let me see anything in practice, so I don't know. So wait, so you're saying, so with Chip, like Chip used to practice this. Is that what you're saying? Or like you talk about like Jim Mora? No, this is, this is with Chip. No, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. We, that we used to do it. So it's, I mean, it's kind of surprising if the guys it, weren't, you know, so yeah, it's very, very unfortunate <laughs> because like we, I feel like we were like, this is a game that we we're expecting to pretty much win. Even like with a slow start, it's one of those games like, you know, with the quarterback situations and like yeah. we've had slow starts before. So I think we just had the expectation of, okay, we're just going to turn it on. You know, this could be a Carson Steele game, you know, take over the run game and then just manage uh, the rest of it. So, I mean, worrying about Arizona, yes, but I was not worried about Arizona State. And I feel like it's kind of similar to last year, though. Like after, after that Arizona loss, kind of it kind of deflated the rest of the year because it, yeah. it kind of took took the guys out of you know potential winning the Pac-12 championship. Mm-hmm. So I hope that you know guys kind of you know rally. They I gotta do something for this week. It just that's yeah, it's one of those deflating losses. It's kind of um, upsetting, and yeah, I know guys don't want to finish the year that way. Yeah, I, I think one of the more notable things that I took away from this game was like, I'm looking at, like you said, oh, this could have been a Carson Steele game. This could have been a, you know, TJ Harden game. You had Colin Schley leading and rushing with 51 yards. I believe the last time they did that, I can't remember off the top of my head what game that was. They didn't win that one either. I guess that, maybe that was the Arizona State or the Arizona game, maybe. Um, But it's like, I don't know. They're not really running the ball. I don't know. That, I mean, Arizona's defense, is, Arizona State's defense is, isn't the worst, but I don't know, Josh. I even wrote in my preview um, a day or two before the game. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is a good bounce back game coming off of the Arizona game. Um, you know, there's no reason why they, they <laughs> there's no reason why they don't bounce back. And this is a good a bounce back game for them, yada, yada, yada. But as I was writing it, part of me is like, Maybe I shouldn't write that because just you just never know what's gonna happen on the field, right? And but I'm like, nah, I'm gonna keep it because what's gonna go wrong? Arizona State only won like two games up to that point. Um and they walked out of there with the third one. They are now, yeah, three and seven on the season. Uh and UCLA is six and four. So they're kind of sitting in the middle of the pack, 12 at this point. Um, you know, there's still an opportunity to finish with eight wins, but um, it just kind of leads to what is supposed to be a big game this week with um, with USC coming to town. Um, what direction do you want to go? And we could talk about Chip Kelly here and and what some of the fallout was from the Arizona State game, or we can talk about uh, USC. We'll try and hit both of them. But any anyone in particular you want to start with? I mean, we we can start with with Chip. Okay. As far as I mean, seeing all over Twitter and. You know, the how it's going and I just it's it upsets me that how 
quick people change up the same way i said the same thing you know with mm-hmm. with dante like how quick fans switch up and it's like yeah you can't you can't keep moving the goalposts you know what i'm saying you can't be up one week down the other like that's just being a fair weather fan like being a mm-hmm. casual that's not really like you gotta understand how tough it is when your quarterbacks go down because we saw the same thing with coach Moore. um like when key players go down it's hard in college football to continue success because it's not like in the nfl you can trade or pick up free agents you can you know have somebody immediately right away even with the transfer portal you don't immediately get the get the kid yeah you know the very next game so same issues we had um you know in the in the more era like my first year i was talking about this yesterday to somebody about it i was like my first year we had three nfl starters go down on our defense between Miles Jack, Fabian Moreau, and Eddie Vanderdose. And mm-hmm. with those three guys, we probably win the Pac-12 that year. You know, those are three, like, of the best players in the country uh, getting hurt, like, seizing any injuries within the first three weeks. And we still, that year, finished eight and four in the regular season with Josh Rosen as true, true freshman quarterback. And I, like, honestly believe, you know, we go at least – 10 and two, maybe 11 and one that year uh, with, you know, if we, we had those, those three guys, the vault, the, the very next year um, we lose, we lose the game in overtime versus A&M. And then from then on, we're, we're rolling again. One game, Colton Miller gets hurt starting left tackle for the Raiders. And that the very next game having, you know, inexperience in Josh Rosen gets hurt. We, we don't have Josh Rosen for the rest of the year. And it was, again, we had a top 10 defense in the country that year but we had struggles on offense. And that's another thing, like it's hard to replace, you know, guys with injuries in college. So like, as we've seen from there, I mean, even, even more as last year we went six and six and there's games where Rosen wasn't hurt with injuries and stuff like that. It's hard to win with injuries in college. Uh, and I've, I don't think you can blame coaches necessarily. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. cause this week, which Slee, he, he's a great dual threat, but, uh, you know, it's sometimes it's harder in the you know when you don't have that much passing game, they can load the box up, they can send more. I mean, ASU was sending some exotic looks and hitting home on them, and that just me. Mm-hmm. It might be because Schley hasn't had much time, you know, in this offense in the past game that you know different styles that Chip has kind of had the offense catered to, you know, more of Garbers and and Dante's style up to this point in the year. Mm-hmm. So, um. From ASU standpoint, they were able to, you know, load the box and like kind of stop the run more and send more exotic pressures because they know that like if you said it was majority going to win the game, it would probably be running the ball. So that kind of, you know, takes the dimension out of the game. And I you can't I don't think you can blame a head coach for that necessarily. I don't think you can put all the blame. Of course, wins and losses, you know, it's coaches. But like these situations in particular, I don't. I don't think you could blame him. Like the hate that um, you know Chip is getting. I understand all of a sudden now UCLA like they lose a few games and then the whole energy shifts. But it's like mm-hmm. you got. I feel like you got to keep the same energy you had a few weeks ago. And then understanding yeah. the situation of the players, like you see in the NFL, we you know when when quarterbacks get hurt versus like and when a backup has to go, and it's it's that's just a tough scenario. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts on. I like I've been seeing, like, like I said, seeing how everybody's tweeting and it's like, yeah, it, it's it's been kind of interesting. So we get there on Monday. I'm like, this is going to be crazy. Um, wait, yeah, I got there. On, I got there on Monday uh, for practice. And, you know, it was just that whole Sunday, the day before, after the game. I mean, it already there was already some tweets. People were. We're kind of off the Chip Kelly train after Arizona, but after Arizona State, those people who the week prior were saying like, no, I'm still with Chip. I'm still with Chip. After the Arizona State game, you started seeing a lot of other tweets from like, I was with Chip Kelly last week, but now it just, I think that was this, that was like the final straw for the, for, you know, um, for that last group, I guess. And it, that doesn't mean all the fans are turning on them. Obviously, the vocal ones are the ones that are uh, going to are going to be the ones that are more, more prominent and the ones that are more likely to speak out. But um, 
Yeah, uh, I think Chip lost some of the fans, obviously. Um, but yeah, we get to Monday, and it was just kind of interesting. And and I think the thing people don't understand too, from a reporter standpoint, is we don't like waking up on Monday for practice, going in there with our our phones, our cameras, our notepads and stuff, and saying, "Chip, you're about to lose your job, buddy." Yeah, like. We don't get pleasure out of that. It sucks for us, too. After Go back and listen. A lot of you guys who are listening right now, if you haven't already, go back and listen to Monday's press conference um, or media availability with Chip. Some of us after that went back. Um, before we watch practice, there's a little gap be- between talking to Chip and watching practice. A lot of us went back and kind of looked at each other and were like, I feel gross. Like, we didn't feel good or comfortable saying or asking some of the questions that we had to ask. Um, you know, I was trying to get some stuff like just on Caleb Williams and some of the USC, um, just our normal kind of, Hey, talk about the upcoming opponent stuff. Um, some of the other reporters obviously were, were kind of hitting the hard questions. Um, and I was right there, you know, I, I was all about trying to find out what Chip's thoughts were, um, on just his job, job status, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just kind of like, Heck, I still got to write a preview. I still got to talk about the USC game at the end of the day. So that's kind of where some of my questions were directed. Um, usually a lot of the reporters, I'm not going to lie, we sit here and talk about, hey, what are you going to ask? How are we going to ask it? Like, it's a group It's a group effort. Like, it, it's kind of a team effort of, like, how are we going to approach this? Like, so, you know, it's a collaborative effort. So we talked a lot of that through and stuff like that and how we were going to address some of that. Um, you know, but it just sucks. And, like, you, we saw Chip... Like you can kind of see Chip, like, yeah, he didn't even look like he was into it that much. Um, and then it was just weird when we watched practice, like everyone just kind of looked deflated, felt like the music was even turned down lower a little bit. It was just kind of like, whoa, like what is going on? Like it was just very like weird. But um, I was back out there on Wednesday. Um, everything was kind of up again from what I what I saw. Um, we did talk to Chip. And Chip was in a great mood, probably one of the best press conferences um, he's had. Um, He was, you know, tearing up. He was kind of making fun of himself a little bit. We were laughing. We were it was it was it was like a roller coaster. It was all over the place. Um, So and then part of me is like, I don't know what's been said. I don't know if Chip's accepted the fact or what or or, it was just Mm it's just it's kind of weird to read the room. And this is my first kind of like situation where like coach's job is on the line. And like, we've had, we've kind of gone through this whole thing with chip before. So that's why part of me is kind of like, I don't know if this one's any more legit than the other one. Cause I don't, it wasn't the season you were there, but it was the next season after where it was like kind of year two. Um, and things still weren't shaking out the way, you know, it just seemed like it was kind of the same thing as the year prior. And there were some questions yeah. about his job then and stuff, but um, I don't know. Will it happen? Remains to be seen. I think a lot of it's going to depend on what happens in this USC game. Um, for Chip, if he gets fired, <clears throat> if Chip gets fired, they'll owe him $8 million if they fire him this week or after the Cal game. Um, and for what it's worth, the last two Cal, no, the last two UCLA coaches prior to Chip were fired after the USC game, like literally like two days after the, um, the after the USC game, um, a day or two after the USC game. But um, it just depends. It depends on how UCLA comes out in this game and how they do. We'll talk a little bit more about the game here in a second, but um. A lot of people, I think, were kind of surprised that he made it through this week because um, you had coaches like Jimbo Fisher. You had the Mississippi State coach get fired. And the reason, like, they're even getting fired even at this point in the season instead of, like, after the last game or after the second to last game is because the transfer portal window starts on December 4th. And so that's when guys can enter the portal, leave the portal. So there's so much movement that's going to start. And I don't – like, even the guys that got fired, I don't even think – like or, you know, Mississippi State and Texas Tech, no, Texas A&M, excuse me. I don't even know if they're going to have a coach in time for that transfer window. So you're going to have a lot of guys leaving, but you're not going to have a whole lot of guys coming in, right? Um, And then Mm -hmm. signing day is December 20th. Like, there's so many questions. It's more than just Chip's job. Obviously, Chip's job is, like, 
you know, it's unfortunate and it's a thing, but it's like, there's so much fallout for this program that happens after that. And I think that's the whole anticipation, the limbo, like the, the uncertainty of everything is like, you know, you, uh, there, there's been some parents tweeting saying they're not happy with the way things have gone. Um, that had just transferred in this past year. Um, one of the, one of the parents had said that their kid told them not even to come to senior night. Like they're like, we're going to come for the last game. And the, the, they said the players said don't come. And they're openly tweeting this. The parent openly tweeted it. Wow. And I was like, um, yeah, I like I was it. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of different for someone who's just popping in for a year. Right. Like they just transferred in for the year as compared to um, a Carl Jones or someone who's been there for three or four years. Like that the senior day is going to mean something regardless. Right. Like yeah. um, for, for guys like that who put everything into that program. So it's just it's kind of it's just a weird situation right now. Um, I guess uh, before we get to USC. We kind of touched on it. I've asked you about it before, but like, how do you guys as a team find out about Mora being let go? How do you guys focus on the next game ahead? Like, you know, like, like I mean, and the, the thing is, too, it's like, I mean, I've told you before how the media used to be. I felt like, um, mm-hmm. like we used to feel like the media was real, like against us as a team, as like, even the players, you felt that like, dang, are they saying this? Or like, I remember getting interviewed sometimes and I'm feeling like, damn, they're trying to pin me against like yeah, my boy, yeah. like the way the questions are asked and stuff like that. So like y'all do have a big effect on, I feel like the fans and stuff. So things that you guys are, you know, tweeting mm-hmm. or saying can, you know, rile up. Uh, I feel like the fans a certain way because, you know, you guys are the, the, the ears and stuff of them. So mm-hmm. like, I feel like that's important, like what you guys, you know, kind of put out there and right. how it's going to be perceived by them. So hopefully, you know, y'all just are unbiased or like positive because some reporters are negative mm-hmm. and things that, you know, they put out there kind of, like I said, rile up to the, some of the fans and get them going. They play to the fans sometimes. Yeah. Some can. Yeah. yeah. And Chip doesn't have social media. So that's it. I don't, <laughs> it doesn't. Right. It doesn't matter what the fans like, you know, mm-hmm. what they're saying, because it it doesn't. Get, like Chip doesn't care, you know what I'm saying? He's gonna yeah. just try to have the team ready to win. Um, and like I said, I know it's it's frustrating, but there's things that you know we're coming off of having a quarterback for your team for five years. It's not gonna yeah. be easy, you know. What I'm and saying? that's what I said at the beginning of the season. I'm like, there, there, this season is not. I I would say this season is about what I expected it to be, like in terms of of the record, right? Like, because like they weren't gonna win ten games. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I I think they that there's there was more winnable games, and it, it you know it it is what it is at this point. And I think they could finish mm-hmm. strong, beating SC, beating Cal, winning a bowl game, getting nine wins. Um, but it's just the understanding the the situation. Like I'm saying, like we're coming, you're coming off of having a five year quarterback, having guys really like that have been were then in the offense for four or five years, mm-hmm. and then having new guys. Like these are just the growing pains going on. And right. that was one of the reasons why I like, I I felt like it would have been cool just like if you the same way that people were riding with Dante if, to continue that because it's the growing pains because the same right. way you know we were with Dorian like Dorian I feel like people broke. forgot about that like about Dorian two years of success they forgot about the the growing pains part yeah I like there's that, things that we yeah. that we had that we had to go through in order to have the the you know the success that we had in the past two years and now i think honestly what it could be is fans like got so used to those two years that yeah they forgot mm-hmm. about the other year so it's like oh you're mad at chip but it's 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 all a process like right chip brought these you know has young guys that he's developing that you know uh, eventually when you know in the system more and he's chip is gonna develop like dante is gonna be a better quarterback at the end of this like mm-hmm. like when he's a you know older, maybe next year, junior or senior, like Dante's gonna be one of the top guys in the country. So I feel like you you stick with Chip in that sense and to get the offense going. I mean, we have a new DC. You have this defense, and next year is gonna be tough. I mean, because I mean Latu, Latu's probably gonna be a first round pick, probably lose Darius and yeah. certain things like that. But um and going into the Big Ten next year, like why would I don't see why people want to, you know do all this now be so negative now and and it's such a it's such a pivotal moment i feel like like to keep 
you need consistency. Like we were talking to Martin, like you need, you know, continuity and consistency in the, in a change like this. Cause if you're going to have new everything at the time, you don't want to go into a new conference and just be tr- like restart and be not, not good and not have right. any, any type of identity going in, into a big move like this. Cause that could be detrimental. And then you could end honestly end up worse. Cause then you, like you said, you don't have any consistency then you're mm-hmm. gonna have to be trying to get new kids, new coaches, and all this thing. And it's like, yeah, you don't want to be making that move worse. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I get you. That's how I feel about like that. And then, like you're saying, as players, players on the other hand, they they and that's one of the things I was like with the media saying, what the fans are saying, like that can affect like the players and recruits. And the same way, like, like we were talking about before, like if recruits are seeing the fans hating and like talking negative right. about the guy that's recruiting you, then okay. So I'm saying like Fans got to understand if they want better players and recruits, you can't just be bashing the coaches that are recruiting the kids to <laughs> right, go to the school. Right. So that's one thing that factors in. And like, um, I guarantee the energy and effort is going to be there. It's SC week. The boys are, you know, going to be going, uh, they do a good job, you know, bringing in a lot, like, you know, alumni and other guys to just getting mm-hmm. kids understanding what this game means. And it's always been, no matter what USC UCLA's records are, no matter the situation, at hand is going to be a competitive and a good game because you know it's a rivalry and, and everybody's going to show up you're talking about uh how it was with jamora uh i remember it was like after or like weeks going up one of the boosters or donors or somebody like flew a plane around the fire fire mora oh uh, i remember that yeah. So it was like we're seeing stuff like that and it's like bro we like we're trying to we're trying to win and play games this was like during like, is this like during practice? This was like during practice this, and stuff. No, this is during Bruin walk to the Rose Bowl. We're walking in mm-hmm. into the stadium, and uh, yeah. more had us like meet in the middle before, uh, yeah, a game, and we're seeing <clears> that. <throat> um, and then it was like after the game, it was like we get a uh, everybody got a message like, oh, like optional team meeting Sunday, but in like in the morning, like emergency yeah. meeting type thing. Um, we show up, and then yeah. Coach Morris, like, you know, unfortunately, like, let me go down. It was his birthday, too. Like, mm-hmm. let me go. And, or, I don't, he was there. And then I think it was like the, or was he not there? It was like a quick transition of like in and out. Uh, he didn't stay the whole then, meeting. Like, he was there. He said it goodbye. No, nah, like it was that. like the eight. It was, it was like, and then the AD came and pretty much told us, like, yeah, like, yeah, Dan Guerrero at the time. Yeah. Moving forward, I was looking for a coach. And then, um, you know, that was our whole process. But, the, it, no, all that really don't matter right now. No, this, it's it's rivalry it's week. F, it's FSC week. <laughs> That's all that matters. It, I don't care about you know what I'm saying. Now we got mm-hmm. that done with. It's FSC week. Uh, you know, it's time to get this thing rolling. None of that matters right now. We need a dub. We need to beat these guys and do what we do. Let's get the bell back. Mm-hmm. You know I'm saying because that yeah. it could potentially we be talking about their coach. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they got their own issues, and, and I'll be talking with my, one of my colleagues that's covering U, uh, USC here um, in in a couple hours, actually. But I mean, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest matchups for me going into this game that I'm just excited to see how it's going to play out is Caleb Williams against Liatu Latu. I want to see like you know, La, uh, Caleb Williams. He dances around. He can you know make unscheduled plays, extend plays. Um, can damn near be, you know, have his the the toe of it, you know, his toe on the sideline ready to go out of bounds and he just flings it and it just lands perfectly where it needs to into the guy's hands and stuff like that. Like I just want to see how the pass rush is gonna do against him. How are they gonna mm-hmm. limit him? How are they gonna try and keep him in the pocket? Like that's what I'm most excited to see. Uh, that's definitely and definitely gonna be an interesting matchup. Kelly Williams, we've talked about it, mm-hmm. you know. One of the best in the country, but I feel like you know our, our, I've been saying our front seven is the best. You know some of the best in the country. All mm-hmm. these pressures and sacks, and I I'm excited to see uh yeah what Coach Lynn is able to dial up for you know for them, and um yeah all the effort and energy and negativity out there UCLA fans I'm talking to you right now mm-hmm. just direct that just direct that across the street for this week. <laughs> Anything I you mean, had to say, just direct it yeah. at them. 
I I think it's it's going to be so interesting because this is a game like this is a I think it's a big game for both teams, right? And like they're not necessarily playing for a championship. You're always playing for bragging rights and and the rights of the city and 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 all that, but it's just like both teams are playing for so much. Like you said, I mean, I don't know if Lincoln Riley's getting fired, but if things don't go well, I think he goes out to the NFL or something. You know, I mean, you don't know what happens to dude. So it, it's a big week. I think fans, some fans are disinterested um, in just what's been going on with their program. Um, but I, like, it just reminds me of my high school rivalry too, like back in the day, like, it don't matter how bad the teams are. I remember they used to, they said our team was going to lose. We saw it in the newspaper. They said our team was going to lose by like 21 points, 24 points. Went out there, smacked them. You know, it was like a three-point game, but we won. So it's like, you just never know. You never know. It's just like, and and like, that was the one of the biggest learning lessons for me when it came to football was like, it doesn't matter what the media says. It doesn't matter who projects what. It's like, it doesn't matter who's the favorite. And I mean, even last week was an example when UCLA was a 17 point favorite over ASU. It don't matter till you get on the field. So as long as the guys for UCLA come out prepared and do what they have to do and do their best to try and block out the noise, I think they'll have some success um, and can stop Caleb Williams potentially. Um, but real quick, like, how do you, how do you tune out the noise for a rivalry week are you spending are you taking extra effort to put your phone on do not disturb not to look at social media especially with all the coaching stuff that's going on but also just it being a rivalry game how do you like stay away from it or how what are you doing extra to avoid um you know extra fam the family calling for extra tickets and stuff like that Mm -hmm. how do you how do you tune all that out yeah that that definitely is one of the things I, i used to try to you know tell my parents like i got tickets for you know for y'all and that's pretty much <laughs> people got to find it out themselves. I try to get that stuff solved like a few days before. So it's out mm-hmm. the way. Even even so now, like when I have people come to the games up here or people ask for tickets, like you got to ask me by a certain time. I'm going to get that taken care of. <laughs> Other than that, like it's right. I'm not I'm not worried about that like that. You should have asked me before. Right. But um, <clears throat> like I guarantee, you know, the coaches are are pretty much telling the guys like it's. It, all that matters is is us, us in this building. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we line it up, that's that's all that matters. And you're kind of tuning out that way. Like, win for your brothers, win for you know, UCLA, and like, what this means. You know, what's most important. And like I said, usually it's like bringing in sometimes bringing in alumni and other guys that talking to. I mean, even you got to think about the the guys that have played in this game that are in the building from yeah, you know, Coach Foster. Jerry, Shea Pitts, um, Ken Norton, Ken. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I remember, I remember last year Ken Norton was was uh, coaching drills, and he was saying like, uh, "We're not gonna, we're not gonna lose to Suck C or whatever." Like he, like during even, the drills, he was like, even like player about the rivalry, like Kevin Jordan. Like they had, there's mm-hmm. you know people, you know, all through the staff that have played you know in this and know what it means i mean because i mean you got you have you have new guys that, that haven't been a part of the rivalry yet so you kind of mm-hmm. have to in a way kind of educate them and help them understand what this right. game means to you know the city and what it means you know in the building and what this rivalry means uh and that's even every year there's the the equipment staff game they do that wait what i know every i know year, the new i know the student newspapers used to have a game so every year there's a game between between the EQ staff. So um really. I don't know if you play they play the game at where the game is being held or if it's opposite. But yeah, like so whenever you know we used to, have probably to, have have to be where the game's being held. You know what they probably do? They probably hold it where the game's being held. And because I would imagine they're probably there like a day early or something where they set up the lockers and you know, no, it's, the no, it's not it's not on the actual field, it's at the practice oh. facilities. So it's either yeah, so like it would be oh, really on our practice field or at on SE's uh you know practice field and hmm. like pretty sure Jerry would always go and just having like guys there when it's a home game definitely you know we were there mm-hmm. cheering our guys on because that's kind of when that's the first you know so side the of players us first would day. go 
That's cool. In support in support of the EQ. Yeah, like, right, right, right. The EQ, the EQ staff does so much for the, for us all year, setting up our <laughs> indies, moving the bags, laundry, mm-hmm. like all those little things. So like, it's their time where they go out there, they put on, they put on our jerseys, they you know swag <laughs> out, got the Jordans on, sleeves on, like all that type of stuff. And it's our time, you know, to really like cheer on them. And mm. like I said, like it's a rivalry, like it it does mean something, um, you know, between See, them. So because I heard. When the two student newspapers, the Daily Bruin and the Daily Trojan or whatever, I thought they always met at the, and I don't know how they would pull this off, but my understanding was I thought they always met at the venue. And I don't think it was like the day of the game, obviously. But I heard they, I, I have to ask, I have to, find, I have to ask Sam Conan about that. I was like, because the, um, the equipment game might be tonight. Hmm. Because the one the is the bonfire tonight or tomorrow? So that's the other thing. That rally that you guys normally have, it got canceled. Like whenever it was supposed to be what's today, Thursday. Yeah, it might have been today. It got canceled because of rain. So it might have even what might have meant to be yes, it might have been yes, was supposed to have been yesterday, I think. But it got canceled because of like rain or whatever. And so even when that happened, people were like, What else can happen this week? But yeah, so there's no rally this week. Um no nothing. Dang, they still got cool. everything duct taped. That, that is kind of sad. Wooden, they got John Wooden statue duct taped. They have uh the Bruins uh taped up. But I didn't I didn't know they had security out there twenty four seven. Usually uh you have some frats watching them. Yeah, no, they have like actual security people out there now. Um oh and real quick, we got a couple seconds left. Did you hear about uh, the Rose Bowl locker room situation. They got it figured out. Yeah, it was some IE kids, man. Yeah. My thing is still confusing is how were they were able to get in there because okay, they were on under like they were just at the game like recruit tickets or whatever. Right. So like, all you get is the is the, like the it says like, on una- mm-hmm. like unofficial guest whatever like, and you don't get to be on the sideline or still in anything during the game. So and like if you're on official visit, you always have a host or something with somebody with you. So like that's how I was like that. And then it's like there it's the way locker room. So it's even it would be that's what I'm saying. That was my thing. It's a way locker room. And that's I'm like whoever was watching the door, that's who needs to be fired. Or Mm -hmm. because either they either they wasn't weren't there doing their job, or they it was an inside job and they you know because I I just don't understand understanding how the Rose Bowl works. I just don't understand how it was able to be how was able to happen. Yeah, so remains to be seen. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever hear any more about that case. Hey, everybody, just wanted to take a quick break to remind you guys that the football season is right around the corner, and when you're headed out to the Rose Bowl, what better shirt to wear than a Believe in UCLA football podcast shirt? By doing that, you're going out, you're going to the game, you're supporting your team, and you're supporting your favorite podcast at the same time. Some of the proceeds go back to the podcast and help support the content and the different things that we have planned going forward. So what better way to, again, support your team and your favorite podcast than by picking up the shirts? Now, where can you find these shirts? They're available at the Believe Network store, and we made it very easy for you. Scroll down on this podcast. Check out the description. I got two links there for you for two different shirts. Make sure you check them out. Find the one that's right for you, and hopefully I see you wearing them out at the game. I'd love to see you wear them. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And a special thanks to Josh, as always, for giving some insights and his thoughts on everything that's going on as the Bruins prepare for both USC and what may happen regarding their future. Uh, And just, you know, it was kind of interesting to kind of get Josh's perspective and where things stand. Um, Of course, everything that's been going on, the buzz around Chip Kelly's job status and more. But now we're going to turn our attention more to the game. I'm going to be talking to my colleague, USC beat writer, Luca Evans. I'm happy to be joined here today by my colleague and USC beat reporter, Luca Evans. Luca, what's going on, man? Hey, James. Thanks for thanks for having me. Excited to, to dive in here. 
no worries at all. It's always a fun week when it comes to USC and UCLA. Uh, I know it's your first year on the beat covering USC, um, but how are you? Uh, is this your first first time attending a ri- the rivalry game? Uh, what do you know kind of going in um, just from a historical standpoint as someone who may have just been watching casually prior to this year? Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be my first uh my first time really experiencing the the rivalry. So, I'm I'm excited for for the atmosphere. Um I know there's there's been plenty of uh plenty of debate, debates between fans for for years on you know, who's got the better tailgates and uh, mm. you know, of course, I I know the stories of of um, you know, we we were all 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 well aware and and saw the the sword. Um, yes, uh, right. And duct tape. So, mm-hmm. it, it's it's clear. I think the interesting thing for me though is like, are we really gonna get the full taste of you know the rivalry this year? Yeah. You know, I was looking, I was I was looking back, and I think there were three times in the last like. I can't, it was like since t- 2007 or something like that. Um, it, like the last 17 years, obscure statistic, but like there are three <laughs> times that um, neither of these teams came into this rivalry game unranked. Mm-hmm. And so I think you could like make the argument that this game just in, 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 in terms of pure, what it means is one of like the lowest stakes matchups in, yeah, in yeah. a long time. So it'll be interesting to, to, to see from that viewpoint. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned it. So I guess I've been covering UCLA for about, I guess I'm on year five because Chip Kelly's year six. So I was there for his second year. So I'm year five. So I've been to a few of these. Um, last year was great. I believe it was like 68,000, 70,000 at the Rose Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. Good crowd. The year before, it was kind of similar where it was kind of like 1 p.m. start. Um, the crowd wasn't fully into it. Uh, or wasn't fully there um, with everything going on on the 10 freeway. I wonder how much of an impact that may have on things. And and obviously I believe we might be getting some rain for this game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Um, be, yeah that's we were, we were out. Uh, we were out at practice and the daylight savings. It was dark mm-hmm. yesterday and we, we, yeah. we talked to players at night and it was raining and it started picking up and it was like, we were all just soaked mm-hmm. and just talking to players with their phones is pretty funny but anyway yeah that'll be interesting Let's see if uh the climate picks up yeah so we'll see how things play out um on the field in terms of the weather and everything else but let's get into it um just looking into the rosters um i'll let you go ahead and start but um any notable injuries going into this game how are the guys doing health wise over there for usc yeah i think it'll be interesting to see that the main thing is kind of the the health of the secondary. Um, I believe Lincoln Riley said Monday on Trojans Live, the the, the weekly sort of radio show. Um, Jalen Smith and um, uh, well, Jalen Smith was the starting Nickelback. Um, missed last game with with injury. Said he was hopeful that that, that he's going to be back. And um, Jacoby Covington, who's been out for a few games um but made an impact previously at cornerback looks like he might be back um usc needs it desperately um these things got so dire last game that they're playing guys who you know had played minimal stat snaps all year i think they're uh they started traquan fagans at, at, at uh nickel i don't think they started him actually but they played him a, a significant amount of snaps at nickel started profit Brown at cornerback. I think they had played a total of 81 snaps all year before that. So, um, you know, that'll be a, a big boost. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's, uh, those are the, the notable kind of, you know, the, that's the notable area of health for, for USC right now. Gotcha. Yeah. When you talk about notable, uh, positions, uh, for UCLA, it has to be the quarterback position, unlike USC, where they, um, you know, are pretty secure and locked in at quarterback. There's been uh, a rotating system deal. I don't know. It, it's been a mess on the UCLA side. But um, Colin Shalee, the Kent State transfer, um, who made his first start for UCLA last week against Arizona State, played throughout the game um, but had, and had been dealing with some injuries as far back as camp and then even again. Uh, during the season but yeah suffered an injury got knocked out of the game um they had to have chase griffin come in for 
you know, the final series or two, but, you know, Garbers and, and, or Ethan Garbers and Dante Moore were both listed as emergency kind of, or, or Chip Kelly had them listed as emergency in case of emergency break glass here, have these guys play. Um, those had been your two main starters uh, most of the way. So I guess you'll lean on those guys. Ethan Garbers was walking with a limp uh, last week. So they're literally kind of limping into this thing. Um, if I have to take a guess, I would imagine maybe Dante Moore starting unless Garbers is fully healthy, but um, remains to be seen. I know Ethan, or I mean, Colin Schley hasn't really been practicing. Um, Chip Kelly said he was available uh, yesterday which was wednesday and he actually just was there in in a shirt so um (laughs) so remains to be seen um any other notable injuries for you if not we can we'll head on to the next question so well let's i i wanted to so i was curious i'm sure we'll touch on this but with Mm -hmm. the the um uncertainty around chip chip kelly's job status Mm -hmm. we'll put it that way do you do you think there's a chance if uh, Chip gets fired, what do you think that the probability of Dante Moore transferring is? Because I know I've been seeing some some stuff yeah, about yeah. that. I know he's you know he he came to UCLA uh, for in a lot of reasons the the faith in Chip and um, I don't know. Do you do you see you know potentially him him transferring out? Do you think he'll probably stay at UCLA in that event? What do you think about that? That actually leads to what my next question was going to be as far as what's at stake uh, for UCLA. Yeah, Um, (laughs) Yeah. uh, the status of Chip Kelly uh, and his job status is definitely more or less on the line here, depending on how this game turns out. And then just the the kind of fallout that will happen as a result of that. Right. One of the biggest ones is uh, you have a five star prospect. uh, Dante Moore comes in one of the highest rated um prospects in the program's history according to 24 7 sports so dante moore was a big get now he may only be uh there throughout this season and may move on because as you mentioned yeah one of the first times we even talked to dante we said hey what what was it about um ucla that ended up being the right fit for you obviously was committed to oregon for some time kenny dillingham decides to go to asu and become the head coach you have um bo nicks return and he's having a a heisman like season so Um, for Dante. Yeah. I mean, he had said chip, who else would you rather, uh, want to work under in terms of, and learn from in terms of offense than a guy like chip Kelly, if you had to, to to find a home somewhere. Right. So if chip Kelly's not there, I'm, I don't know if Dante Moore is going to be there. That remains to be seen. Um, yeah. One thing, and maybe you can answer this. I, I have to look into it a little bit more. If he transfers, does it fall under his first transfer or does it fall under, Hey, they got a new coach because if they, they some of them are able to transfer if Good they question. have a new coach. So that's something I have to look into because, you know, maybe Dante could play uh, chess while the rest of us are trying to play checkers over here. But um, yeah, it kind of remains to be seen um, from from what um, we've seen some from some other reports. A lot of guys are just kind of unhappy in general um, and maybe leaving in some sort of mass exodus regardless. So. Um, I think if there's not the talent around the way that there is for Dante this year, um, then yeah, I think it's, it could be likely that he's on his way out. Um, but yeah, what about, for, what about for USC? What's at stake for you guys kind of coming into this game? Um, I, th- I think uh, for USC, kind of a whole little bit of a separate set of of circumstances. I don't mm-hmm. think there's, you know, there's not going to be some sort of mass exodus. There are a few guys who I'm sure are going to, you know, hit the road um, for, for the portal after the year. But I think really, you know, and you think, oh, the focus is probably on Chip's job status, this, this game. Right? But I think, um, I think the biggest thing for USC is, you know, this could maybe be Caleb Williams last game and, um, you know, a, a guy a lot of people call generational generational prospect and you know has brought a lot of pride a lot of uh notoriety i i I suppose back to usc's program not that that didn't (laughs) didn't plenty exist previously but just sort of reinvigorating the fan base and um i i mean it's interesting you know he said yesterday hadn't made a decision on it probably going to take some more time over thanksgiving Lincoln Riley said hadn't talked to to Caleb about it so so everything sort of um kind of hush hush at, at the moment um but I I 
there was sort of, you know, with the rain and just some of the, mm. the comments, you know, it just felt like the realization of sending in like, man, this could be the last time that, you know, Caleb Williams talks in front of this USC right. practice backdrop um, on, on Wednesday. So, I mean, it, it, it could bring about the, the end to, you know, one of the best careers by, by a college quarterback in recent memory. Um, and if that's true, if Caleb Williams decides to head for the draft and, you know, forego both a, a bowl game and his third season, potentially at USC. Um, I mean, that just opens up a, a, a whole host of, of questions for, for the program where, where Caleb Williams has, uh, it's like that like flex, flex seal tape meme, the guy yeah. like slapping yeah. it on, on the, the, the tank <laughs> and the water coming out. It's like, he's, he's, he's elevated this program and, and, you know, covered up so many kind of issues here and there as, you know, a generational quarterback talent will do. And without that, you know, be interesting to see what USC is, is left with, you know, they've got um pretty capable backup in Miller Moss. They've got another five-star guy, Malachi Nelson waiting in the wings unclear if maybe he'll be ready yet next year. It's the question of, you know, do they bring in a, a guy, another guy from the transfer portal, which Lincoln Riley said, you know, there's no one way or the other, but it's, it's possible. Um, so mm -hmm. it, I mean, that's, that's just a major, major question for the future of the program. And then also Lincoln Riley has said, you know, he expects the defense to take a big step forward this week. You're week two, um, removed from the Alex Grinch firing, um, and, and going into a big, you know, couple of weeks to see who will be next, uh, USC's next, uh, coordinator at that position. So, um, I think those are really kind of what's at stake for, for, for USC not so much in this game, but just kind of a, a look ahead to what the future of this program could be. Yeah. And speaking of the Trojans um, relieving Grinch of his duties, um, that was actually one of my questions for you is um, where is the defense kind of at right now? You said, you know, they, they can kind of take a, a step here um, in week two with, with the new group of guys they have kind of running that defense, but um, you're not really installing a whole lot of X's and O's, new plays, new schemes or scheme or anything like that. So, you know, what is the 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 mood or what is the kind of, you know, the vibe you're getting from some of the guys when you're able to talk to them during media availability? Yeah, I think the sense is, is you know, Brian Odom, Sean Nua, the, the co-interim defensive coordinators, maybe been able to simplify things a little bit. They both obviously talked about they're not reinventing the wheel here. They don't want to confuse guys with, with concepts, what have you. Um, but we saw, you know, it, it, it takes time. Um, the, the ship won't just be righted by the absence, you know, of, of one individual. It's still the same kind of scheme and just major, major issues that we've seen all year last week against Oregon. Um, with big plays, giving up explosive plays in the secondary. Um, a lot of miscommunication, it looked like at times. You had guys, you know, holding their hands out after touchdowns, what have you, that's just, just kind of emblematic of this, you know, year's defensive performance <laughs> as a whole. And right. um, the, the, the thing, you know, that the, the one – you know, silver, tiny silver lining was their, their run defense did look a little bit improved um, against, you know, one of the best rushing attacks in the country, really. Um, it, it, I think the, the, the biggest thing against UCLA, and it'll be tough to kind of judge really how much this defense is improved by the quality of the unit it's playing against. Cause you know, I'll transition that into a question for, for you, but just about, I mean, what's UCLA's offense, you know, looking like at this point, there's been a lot of chatter. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. It's like the, the, the narrative has completely flipped mm -hmm. from the bad years of Chip Kelly defenses to now's offense. It just seems like it can't score on anyone. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's been kind of wild. So I guess the last three weeks they have um, seen a decrease in production just in terms of like, um, you know, the amount of points they've been able to, been able to put on the scoreboard. Um, again, it has been kind of interesting because when you had a five-year guy at quarterback 
um, like DTR who who provided a level of consistency. You're not getting that just with the the injuries and the inexperience at times from what with what you have now at the quarterback position. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where the, the the struggles have been is just with the quarterback position. You have two solid guys back there um, in the backfield with um, Carson Steele and TJ Harden. Um, I think it's important for for them to get those guys going, and then if it does open up a little bit, maybe allow yourself um, to get the passing game going. But they haven't been able to even take advantage of the talent that they acquired out of the transfer portal. Um, so two years, so last before um, this two before this 2022 season, they put a heavy emphasis on grabbing guys out of the transfer portal and really um, building up that defense to what we've seen it to be now. And we'll probably talk about the defense here in a minute. But um, they spent this past or, or before this season, um, they spent the offseason um, through the transfer portal building up this offense. Right. And well, trying to build up the offense, um, they went and got um, the Cal receiver, J. Michael Sturdivant. They got USC receiver uh, Kyle Ford. And you think those guys are going to come in and be some um, some game changers for you. And it just hasn't been there. And I think it all just kind of goes back to what's been going on at quarterback because, and and maybe you can, and sometimes I hate even saying that because for a guy like J. Michael Sturdivant, sometimes it's a matter of, he's just such a focal point for opposing defenses that they try to just take him out of the game completely. So sure. it's hard to, so I wouldn't go as far as to call him a bust, but you know, you're looking for a guy to be a the deep threat that, sometimes has been missing in UCLA's offense in recent years and stuff like that. And J. Michael was supposed to be that guy, but it just hasn't been there for them. They've been leaning on Logan Loya, um, the St. John Bosco product um, as a guy that's been pretty consistent for them. Uh, They do also have Carson Ryan. They've been leaning on the tight end position again, which is not a surprise. They've been doing it in the past with Chip Kelly here at UCLA. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they do kind of get, get it together, I'm not sure how they've done against tight ends this year, but Carson, Carson Ryan, excuse me, there's a few Carsons on this team, but uh, Carson Ryan is one that I would expect to maybe find his way into the end zone uh, and scoring for the Bruins. Um, but again, that's just a, a matter of if they're able to even establish the passing game, but um, I think it'll all start with what they can do uh, with the run game there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think it'll be interesting to see too, you know, how I think one of the big things that I've, you know, identified for why the season just fell apart. So mm-hmm. catastrophically since, you know, past couple months for USC is just, you know, the defensive line was supposed to, and looked for about three weeks, like it was a legitimately improved unit. You know, you brought in transfers, Solomon Bird was making a huge leap. Jamil Muhammad came in as a big transfer addition. Uh, Bear Alexander making a huge impact um, at nose tackle. And they were generating a ton of pressures. Um, And then I think about midway through the Colorado game, it was almost like Shadur Sanders kind of, at least Colorado's offense, figured out, you know, that they needed to get the ball out quick. Um, and since then there was a clear noticeable change in that game. And since then, just the, the overall pressure that they've generated as a unit has just fallen off a cliff and, you know, you can kind of trace a a line correspondingly to, to where their season has gone. Um, because if they're giving other quarterbacks time to throw, there's just not enough consistent talent in that secondary to, to, you know, overcome that. So, um, I think that'll be a, a a key kind of point of emphasis in this game to see if, you know, the, the, the line can kind of salvage a little bit of that, you know, early season juice. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you see as a uh, kind of key point from, from UCLA's point of view? Yeah, actually. So, so one thing for me, um, and it, this is definitely a matchup to watch for me is, I'm curious to see how guys up front for the UCLA's defensive line, um, which has been for the most part spectacular all year, led by Liatu Latu, um, how they do against um against Caleb Williams, just because 
Caleb Williams says, you know, you, you think he's running out of bounds and he just manages to to turn his arm some sort of miraculous way to to get it to receiver and end up making a, a big chunk play or something along those lines. But I'm just curious to see what kind of pressure that they are able to apply to him. I mean, they've they've been able to do so against um, guys like Shador Sanders and, and other guys um, this season. But I think Caleb Williams is just on another level. But Viatu Latu has been solid. The Murphy Twins have been solid as well. I think the one thing for me is those guys, uh, sometimes they need to kind of keep the emotions in check. Chip Kelly's always talking about, um, you know, playing with emotion and not letting emotion play with you. Um, I think that continues to be a work in progress for some of the guys on the front line. But um, with a guy like Liatu Latu, um, his goal at the beginning of the season was to get 15 sacks. Um, and he has 11 currently. Now, I think the one thing um, to also keep in mind was I think Liatu Latu said himself is that he's excited to play against some of the, you know, the the Pac-12 conference being this, um, you know, with all the spotlight being on the offenses and the quarterbacks, Bo Nix, um, Penix, Caleb Williams. He said whenever he gets an opportunity to play against guys like that, that's what he's kind of striving for. And that's what he's kind of thriving off of, or, or that that's kind of the motivation there for him. So um, I, I think he'll definitely be playing up for this game. And um, I guess my question to you is how has the offensive line held up and um, where have they been with uh, opposing pass rushes and trying to, to stop those and kind of keeping Caleb Williams clean when he does stay in the pocket? Let me tell you, I feel like if his goal is 15 <laughs> sacks, he's at 11, you think he's hitting it? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know about the bowl game, but you know, <laughs> you could get you could get a couple um, mm-hmm. against USC, and you know that's not to disparage. I do think their offensive line has been pretty steady for the most part mm-hmm. this this season, but steady, and you know, they'll give up pressures. It it right. the the I couldn't believe my eyes when I checked the stats from Oregon USC speaking to, to to both you know just how much USC got out physical but Oregon generated 23 pressures and USC generated three so there was just a complete um yeah a, a flip-flop in that um the the line there there had been some struggles they they had a notable kind of switch um Michael Tarquin who was the the starter at right tackle got benched. They moved Jarrett Kingston, who was the right guard to right tackle, and they put back up Mason Murphy in at right guard. Whole, you know, formation switch there. And since then, it, it worked for a couple games. Well, Oregon really, again, just out physical, manhandled them on, on the offensive line. I expect, you know, you could see the same from, from UCLA's front. Um Caleb Williams played like the most unhinged game of football that I've maybe seen a quarterback play against Oregon. Right. I, he had, he, he resorted to simply running 360 degrees in the opposite direction right. in the pocket, outside of the pocket, going back in the pocket, <laughs> going outside. It was just, um, it, yeah. I mean, backyard football with, with, with that guy. Um, I, I expect, They'll probably, you know, be running away from law two for, for a, mm-hmm. <laughs> multiple times this game. Um, and I don't blame them. Cause I think there'd be uh, quite a few people who are running away from law two If they see a, a guy <laughs> of his size and caliber coming, coming their way. So I don't blame Caleb Williams at all. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I, I think pretty big test for, for the line again, Um It'll be curious to see, I think, from USC's perspective, there's some young guys in the wings who haven't really gotten much of an opportunity this year. A few transfer guys who have been pretty steady all year, but, you know, there's there's uh, there's only so high of a ceiling there. So maybe you see a little bit, you know, a few fresh faces to, to try things out on the offensive line this game. Not sure, but, um, yeah, I'm betting Latu still has a chance at, at that 15 mark. Uh, so, yeah. And uh, just as we kind of wrap things up here, again, make sure you guys follow our coverage. Um, We are covering both sides of it um, pretty well, both USC and UCLA all season long. And as the season kind of finishes up here at ocregister.com. But Luca, how do you see this game playing out? Um, What do you think that the keys to victory are for USC? 
Um, I think I I I see USC matching up pretty well with with UCLA. Um, from my point of view, I I don't think. I mean, it's kind of a a case of two really struggling units going head to head, and yes. you know, <laughs> uh, unstoppable force, immovable object mm -hmm. sort of situation, but. The, the negative of that um yeah <laughs> i i think personally if it is caleb williams last game you know this i i just think i don't think ucla's offense has shown quite enough in recent weeks you know mm -hmm. usc's defense has been not good but they did hold oregon to 36 technically and i think it'll be tough for ucla to crack 30 in general and Caleb Williams puts up more than that. I do probably see USC taking this game. I don't think it's going to be a, a barn burner like last year. Um, mm -hmm. That's for sure. But yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's my thoughts. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. I had been thinking about it just the last couple of weeks, anytime I'm listening to the, the radio or something like that. And I'm hearing uh, just conversation about, about um, USC and stuff in general. And I'm like, I'm kind of looking forward to this game because one, you just never know in a rivalry game, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, the big matchup is USC's offense and UCLA's defense. Unfortunately for UCLA, the defense is, I mean, they could score points, but they really haven't scored points. And <laughs> that's more of the offensive job to do. So I just think that's going to be the downfall is the offense, not being able to produce the points that a chip Kelly offense is usually, usually able to do. Um, so I would definitely give the edge, I think, to USC in this matchup. Um, again, it, it would be, I want to say a miracle, but I, I think a lot of things would have to work in U UCLA's favor if they want to come out of this game victorious. Um, but yeah, Luca, again, as we just kind of wrap things up, any final thoughts before we head on out of here? I I think it'll be interesting to see who, who uh, wins the battle of fairly low stakes here well we say fairly low stakes like mm -hmm. in the moment but there are like very big program implications for, for yes. both no doubt for about both it. schools that will come out of this so it's kind of it's almost like a win and you avoid some of the you know some of the heat some of the flack that'll that'll come with a loss there's there's not really a huge upside to to winning this game there's there's right. only, the upside is not losing so yeah yeah no i agree with you and and for me i i think yeah it's like you avoid the 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 fallout and everything at least for the for another week uh for, yes. for ucla yeah, exactly. at least they still have to play cow after this and uh that's supposed to be senior night in a, in a happy moment but who knows where ucla will be uh, by the time they come out of this game. So with that being said, um, as I mentioned before, make sure you guys go to ocregister.com and we'll keep you updated on all the storylines that take place um, before this game, during this game, and after this game. Luca, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. This is the Believe in UCLA football podcast presented by Bet Online. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.